The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Proverbs 14, verse 4 says this. It'll be up on the screen. An empty stable stays clean, but no income comes from an empty stable. Did I tell you it'd be weird? So we're talking about barns and farms and livestock. Oxen and sheep and goats and donkeys. If you don't have any of those in there, it stays clean, but of course you don't make any money on that. Uh, if we take a moment here and recognize that, that Solomon is not giving us farming advice today. This will be helpful for those of you that have a business, those of you that are teachers in a classroom, those of you that are moms and dads in a family, those of you that lead anything at any level. Here, here's my message in a moment today, and you can quit listening now if you want and just, I don't know, check scores of games or do whatever you want to do. Uh, but here's the message in a moment. Productivity and success are messy, but worth it. Productivity and success are messy, but worth it. And it's, if you, if you like things easy and stable and clean and predictable, you can have that. Or you can have hard work, messy, gritty, grimy, unexpected, unpredictable kinds of stuff that go on, only one of those scenarios produces great outcomes. Only one of them will have any success or productivity behind it. Uh, For your family, you can think about this. Uh, I was talking to somebody uh, like, if, if there were no customers in the restaurant, there, there would be no demanding customers we'd have to deal with if you're a server. There's no dirty dishes in the kitchen. It's not all gritty and grimy, cleaning out the drains of all the grease. It would be so much easier if there weren't customers. Of course, we learned in COVID, no customers, not good for restaurants. The classroom, those of you that are teachers, you have these great lesson plans. You have technology that you can use, these, these whiteboards that you can digitally draw on. You have the internet. You have all that beautiful stuff you can do, air conditioning, great seating, desks, equipment, books, all the kind of things. The only problem with that is that in order for a classroom to be successful, you know what you have to have? Students. And you know what students come with? Parents. <laughs> yeah. Parents, let me just have a moment with you today. For, on behalf of the teachers, people that are working in the education field, can I ask you to, um, how can I say this kindly? Be quiet about what's going on there. And how come my kids have to, all that kind of stuff, just right now. It's hard enough to educate your children without stuff going wrong around the perimeter. Just right now. That's not even what the message is about, but that's just for free. Uh, in, in the hospital, in the medical field, I mean, look at the hospitals that we have. The, the one down by my house, to make it by a hospital. You walk into that place, it's a beautiful building. Big, wide-open spaces in there. Uh, the technology that's there, the, 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 the architecture, all of it's beautiful. And hospitals would be amazing buildings if it wasn't for all the sick people that are in there. But the truth is, an empty hospital stays clean, but nobody gets well. 
in the church of Jesus Christ. Watch the parallels here now. The church of Jesus Christ, we're going to call it today, if the church is like a farm, if we're really a barn, we're the crosspoint barn today. Jesus is the chief farmer. Watch the parallels here. <sighs> if it wasn't for weird people in the church, if it wasn't for messy stuff in, in, in the barn, it'd be so much easier, wouldn't it, to have church? In fact, in some ways, if it was just the people I like and people like me, it'd be easier. And, and what I want us to do today is to put some air around these, these verses here. It's not going to come up on the screen, but whenever you approach the Bible, you understand, especially the, like Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, Solomon says we need to explore the meaning in these Proverbs and parables. We don't just go, well, he's talking about farming and barn, barn work. I don't know. Put some air in it. And air means this, application, implications, and ramifications. You should write those down. There'll be good things for you to do when you approach the Bible. Not just read the story and go blah, 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 but what's the application? What are the implications? What are the ramifications? What if we dig at this and probe around at this like, oh, that's interesting. What if he's not just talking about farms today and animals? What if there's something different he's talking about today? I wonder today, I'm going to have you answer back to me. Talk out loud here in the church service. It'd be okay for you to do that today. Uh, if you walk around in a farm, if you walk around in a barn, not an empty one, but a barn that's got, it's productive and all that, what, ki- what, what do your senses encounter as you go into that barn? What, what do you sense, see, smell? What, what do you see? Manure? How come that's the first one every time? That's the last night somebody just said poop. But, um, <laughs> so there's manure. What, what else do you see in a barn or farm? Hay, Hay and stuff to feed the Okay, what else? Animals. See, you guys are so much better. Last night, nobody even thought of animals. They thought of pooping and food, but not like animals. What else? Tools, yeah, to take care of that, take care of the animals. People, yeah, you have to have people in there. They're going to help out. Yeah, you need staff and people, all that. Tractors, dirt, insects. Yeah, and here's the deal. If it wasn't for the animals, watch the parallel here. Watch the parallel between farms and the church. If it wasn't for the animals there, it would smell better. There'd be no poop on the ground. There'd be no bugs and nastiness in there. You wouldn't need all the resources, like all this hay and stuff that sits in here to feed these animals. No. See, take some time here with this. In every barn farm that's successful, in every church, watch the follow parallels here. Keep your minds engaged here. You have hungry creatures in there. Hungry creatures need food. They need people that are going to care for these hungry creatures. Sometimes the hungry creatures eat the food you put in front of them. Sometimes hungry creatures get out, and they get out in the pasture lands. You know what they do? They eat dumb food they're not supposed to. What happens to them? They get sick. You know how you have to do that? You have to come back and help them. And you keep telling them, don't go out there and don't do that. Eat that stupid food. And the reason we get so attracted to the food that's out there, because at the beginning, it tastes so good and feels so good. And we're all good. And you go, what's wrong with the dumb farmers back there? We can eat what we want. We can do whatever we want. And you get back to the barn and go, oh, I don't feel so good. That's what sin does to us. Sin and foolishness. At the beginning, nobody would sin if it wasn't fun and fulfilling at the beginning. We sin and do foolishness because it's fun and fulfilling at the beginning. And then it's like, oh, man, feel awful. 
it wasn't for the fact that you guys went out and did all this and keep repeating the same dumb things over again. That's what happens. You have hungry creatures, and they keep getting here, and they keep making a mess. The hungry creatures need care. They're, sometimes they're hurting or they're unhealthy. They need help getting stuff together. Sometimes they're hurting and unhealthy because of things that they have done themselves. And sometimes the creatures in the barn and the people in the church of Jesus Christ are hurting and unhealthy not because of their own stuff that they've done, because of what somebody else has done to them. You walk around in this barn long enough here at Cross Point Church, I think we're a great kingdom outpost. We're one of the great kingdom farms in God's great kingdom out there. Somebody from time to time, one of these animals here is going to headbutt you. One of these animals is going to, you're going to get stepped on. Your feelings are going to get trampled on. People will be insensitive, uncaring, unkind. They will say things to you in the midst of all this. You go, how could they be that mean? You know why? Because hurting people hurt people. Sometimes they do it intentionally. They're just mad. I'm going to lash out. Can I, I tell you over and over again what I've seen here at Crosspoint? The people that hurt people most times aren't doing it intentionally. It's just accidental. It comes out of a fact of their own stuff, their own stuff that got downloaded into their life, their own family, their own brokenness of stuff they got involved in. And so when that happens, we have hurting creatures, hurting human beings in this house that need help. It'd be so much better if we didn't have hurting people here. It'd be so much easier, so much cleaner, so much safer and, and, and predictable. Um, what you also have, somebody t- talked about it, is you have in every barn, every farm, you have bugs. You, you know why you have bugs? Because you have creatures in there, and because stuff creatures do in there, and the stuff that's around there, you have bugs. Uh, there are stuff that's going to go on in our farm here, in the Crosspoint farm. It won't be right and wrong. It's just going to be stuff that just kind of bugs you. Like, how come they don't do my songs my way? How come they don't turn the bass up more during worship? How come Steve does, uses those dumb illustrations? How come, how come, how come? And it's just, but it thinks it's kind of bug. Just understand that. If nothing has bugged you yet, I'm grateful for that. You probably are a visitor today. <laughs> if nothing's bugged you yet. And some of you are going, I'm getting a little bugged by that guy right now. There's bugs, stuff that just bugs you. And then somebody talked about it, manure, and there's, my, my, the word I used here is smelly piles of stuff. And when, if you've ever been, in a, been to a petting zoo, been to a barn or farm, worked on one, you know that from time to time, you know what happens? You step right in it. Sometimes the mess that you step in is your own mess. You made a mess and you step right in, and sometimes you know what happens? Somebody else went all over the place. And now it's all over you. And maybe not the actual, let's not get too graphic here, the stuff, but just the smell and just, oh, it it makes a mess out of this thing in here. It'd be so much better if we didn't have any creatures in here, we'd have no piles of crap sitting around. Some of you are going, I'm already annoyed at that word that he used that word in church. (laughs) Oh, just hang on. Um, And then in in the barn, there's creatures. If you've ever been around a petting zoo, been around a barn or a farm, you smell the creatures long before you ever get there, right? There's smelly creatures in there. There's smelly stuff that goes on in a barn or a farm. Now, I've never had the privilege of being in a, uh, a room where somebody was giving birth. Uh, 
birth is amazing and beautiful. It looks fantastic and beautiful in the movies. There's some sights and smells and sounds that go on in a birth and delivery room that are like, woo. And honestly, it'd be so much easier to not have new birth and have new life coming into existence. It can be smelly and gritty and grimy. People that come to faith in Christ, people that are, if you're newer to this, at times there's a lot of just blah, stuff that goes on around that. And sometimes, <laughs> you, you know this is too, right? That some of us smell better or worse than others. There's some people in this barn, in this farm here, that are just, and here's the deal with our problem. Here's what our problem is. Our problem is that we will, we will do the thing of, well, I don't stink as bad as, you, as the pigs over there stink. So we think, well, I'm, I'm, my stuff's not that bad. Okay, okay, I have some issues over here. Because we can always find somebody else who smells worse than we do. We can point fingers out there and do that. And sometimes we have learned, we have learned to mask our smell and roll around in something else. And so we don't really, and here's the other thing that happens too. People that have learned to mask and cover up their smell, when they really start dealing with their stuff, smell worse than anybody else combined. It's just so awful and so nasty and disgusting. And the reason why is because for a long time they've just masked it, they've covered it up, covered it up, covered it up, and all of a sudden it all comes out and it's like, oh, dude. I discovered that during COVID when I saw all kinds of people who I thought had their stuff together. They thought, oh, they're pretty awesome, they're pretty amazing, they're pretty cool, and then found out, nope. Because this pandemic, all the crisis of this went... And stuff went flying everywhere, literally. Every, here's the hashtag of the day today. Hashtag everybody smells. <laughs> We're getting all of you to sign up for small groups. Right now we have 232 people signed up for small groups. Right now we have about, yeah, we can be a little more excited about that. We have about 275 to 290 adults that are coming to our services. That includes the online people. That's like 70 or 80% of our adults that are in groups. So you're going to join those groups. Those groups are going to get started here in a few weeks. Here's what we're going to ask every one of you to do. What we're asking every leader to do when they walk into the group the first night, talking about what the commitments, how it's going to be successful, is everybody's going to walk around, go around the circle and go, I smell, I smell, I smell, I smell. And the hashtag of the message today is everybody smells. See, here's the deal. Once you get to a place where you recognize everybody smells, I don't have to pretend anymore. You start putting perfume on stench and smell, and it's just like, this is gross and disgusting. And it's like, we say here, it's okay not to be okay, which means it's okay to have some stuff that, I, that I'm working on, that I got going on there. And then I think the other thing that's going on in, in, the, in the barn and the farm, especially in the churches in America today, in particular churches in the West, is you put all these animals together, and there can be division and conflict. That's going on. Uh, Jen Salazar, uh, it goes to our church. She sent me over a video of this guy. I don't even know what church he's part of. Uh, it was a little TikTok video. I tried to send it on a bunch of people. It was too big of a file, so I wouldn't send. So I, I'm, I'm crediting this guy with what I'm about to say. If you love this, you're welcome. If you don't love this, go talk to Jen and find out who the guy that you should hate over and wherever. But, but here's the deal. The, the idea of the divisiveness in the church not in the culture out there. The culture out there is divisive enough, right? Can we just recognize that? Never, I've, I've never seen it like this in my lifetime. But it ebbs and flows even in 
the church of Jesus Christ. Not the world out there. We're talking about the family, the people in the Crosspoint family, the Crosspoint farm here. There can be divisiveness out there. And sometimes it's about race stuff. It's about, you know, black versus white. Or hmm, black lives matter versus blue lives matter. And we will fight and go to war over that in the church. Headbutting each other and damaging each other and fighting each other over that kind of stuff. It will be over, it'll be things, right now, what's, what's ebbing and flowing is, it's not so much about racial stuff right here, right now. The big thing going on in our culture right now, even in the church, is I'm about to step right in it right now. So get ready. It's about to get smelly in here. Vax, vaccination versus not getting vaccinated. Wearing a mask versus not wearing a mask. And I have watched, I've seen your social media posts. Some of you got about to get really uncomfortable here going, has he seen mine? Hmm? In the church, we're hurting each other and attacking each other over the fact of a vaccination and a mask. And the people that are getting vaccinated, that are wearing a mask, are angry and frustrated and challenging and yelling at people over here that aren't doing it, going, where's the love? There's no love in there, and you're ridiculous, and writing them off and kick one and be nothing to do with them. The people that won't get the vaccination or won't wear a mask, going, where is your faith? There's no faith and love and trust in the power of God, and we attack each other like crazy. And in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, shut your mouths. Guys, this is our moment as a church where the whole world is losing its mind. Since we're stepping in, let's just go all the way. The political divides that are there, and we, have, we don't have an election coming anytime soon, but we have a whole recall thing going on right now. I don't know if you've paid attention to any of that going on. <laughs> we so often, as creatures in the barn, we have put our hope, watch this, in an elephant or a donkey. Some of you are going, elephant and donkey? Republicans or Democrats? That's the symbols of their parties. And, and so what we'll do is we'll think, let's, watch, watch it here, let's impeach the elephant. Let's get the elephant out of the house. Let's do that. And he's evil and terrible, and we'll attack people who see that issue completely differently than us. Or we'll do the other thing. Let's recall the donkey. Let's recall him, and let's get him out of there, and we'll, look, I, I'm telling you right now, there's nothing wrong with having particular political persuasions and wanting any of those things. Our problem is we get so incensed, so enwrapped, that becomes the defining thing of our life. We, we start to put our hope in a, in a donkey or a jackass and not in the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, who's the head farmer. And this is our moment, guys, in this farm, in this barn that's the church of Jesus Christ, with the beautiful, glorious mess, nastiness, smelliness of all this to go People are wondering, is this thing really true? Or are you just like the rest of us fools out here that just do conflict and division the same way you fools do it in here? Like, how about we did it differently? How about? Might be kind of awesome. Um, see, if it wasn't for people, the church would be amazing. <laughs> it's a great place to visit. I was, on our brainstorming team, we were talking about this. Like, it's a great place to visit, but you don't really want to live there. Because it looks all cool and cute and all that. We could make, we make great videos about our church. We have them on some social media. Our website looks beautiful and amazing. There's no stinky, smelly pictures, anything on there like that. I'm just telling you, uh, it can be tricky here. Tara, who's on our prayer team, uh, was, we were, she, we were praying about this last night before the service. And she called it, it's not just a beautiful mess, it's glorious disorder in the barn. And it would be so much easier if you want everything nice 
and neat and clean. Let's get rid of all the mess. Of course, when that happens, we don't see any life change happen. No rebirth, no marriages restored, no, no kids who are struggling with eating disorders or cutting or, or, or sexuality challenges that they're dealing with. None of that goes on. One of the other analogies that we use here all the time is that we're a battleship, not a cruise ship. And look, we're not a battleship out there to go out there and go blow up the world. We're a battleship on a rescue mission to go get people out of darkness who are drowning, who've been, who've been taken captive by the enemy of their soul and go, let's go get them. And if we're not careful in the church of Jesus, we go, let's make this thing nice and neat and easier because a cruise ship is easier to be on than a battleship rescue ship is. Because on, on a battle, here's the deal. On a cruise ship, bring me a drink. Oh, or here's the one. I'm about to really step in it again, probably step on you again. This is done in as much love and as grace as I can. But sometimes we'll hear on, if you have too much of a cruise ship mentality is, I'm not being fed. <laughs> With a smile on my face is kind of I can tell you. Some of you need to have somebody up here if you do all the time. Rebecca Robinson, who's our children's ministry director here, has a line that she uses that says, feed yourself. Amen. Grow up. Now, that doesn't mean you don't come to church and you don't need people. To, but part of this is being feeding yourself as being part of this, but it's diving into the Word of God yourself and doing all of that and more. Um, see, when, when we're on a cruise ship, it, sometimes what happens too is, God has set us out there on this rescue cruise ship to go, a battleship to go out there and rescue people. And sometimes it just gets easier just to cruise. It's just more difficult, honestly. Much easier to let it be a cruise ship. Let's just serve people and just hang out here and chill out here on the deck. Go in the pool, get pedicures, manicures, massages. Go see a lame show in the performance room back here. You've been on a cruise, you know what those things are like sometimes. All that stuff and more. But you miss then the joy of seeing people rescue, people brought back territory being claimed. The other analogy we use is we're a hospital, not a health club. Um, health clubs are where healthy people go just to get more buffed out. I, I see a few of you. I know who you are. I see your posts. <laughs> but it's a fun place to go. And, it, and there's some pain and stuff you do out there. A hospital is not where a place for healthy people just to get more healthy, it's a place for sick people to get healed. It's a place for people who are dying to get rescued and come back to life. And again, much easier to just turn all the hospitals into health clubs. Weight machines, exercise machines, nutritional eating plans, all that stuff and more. Nothing wrong with that in your physical life. I'm not telling you that if you, if you belong to a health club that you're terribly, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Church of Jesus is never going to be a health club. It's going to be a hospital. Now, understand something here. Sometimes we, people hear that and think, well, well, then we're just a place where everybody can just kind of come and just be sick and just be all over the place. No, no. We're a hospital, not a hospice center. Now, you know what hospice is, right? My dad died a few years ago. Those hospice care workers that came into the, the home while he was suffering and dying, it was amazing. But, but the mission of hospice when it comes to physical health is to make you comfortable as possible while you're dying. The church of Jesus Christ can never be that for you spiritually, mentally, emotionally. To just say, well, we'll just give you some pills and medicine, kind of just make you feel all oh, good about yourself while your soul stays separated from God. We're going to call you out. We're going to call you up say, look, it's messy, nasty. It'd be easier just to give you a pill and let you just kind of die in your sin. 
gosh, you guys, I've had this week, it's, it's crazy the, the number of things I've had to deal with. And it's, it's easier for us in terms of how we do our particular thing here, much easier for us as a church to not do any small groups. Much, much easier. Isn't our band amazing here? That new song we did this morning, Hope Has a Name, my new favorite song. So good. And we're going to do three songs here at the end that I'll talk about. It's, it's fantastic. But if we wanted to make it things easier for us, all we would do is just bring the band up here again on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. Bring me up or Rob up or somebody, somebody else up here to do a Bible study. Because relationships and really getting to know each other and know what's going on in our lives is messy and gritty and grimy and smelly and all that kind of stuff. It'd be easier just to keep everybody, like, keep everybody a congregation. But community is where life change happens. It's God's word and God's spirit. And the big one that we sometimes don't understand as much is God's people. And not just having, here's what we do in the church a lot of times too. We do in life, it's like this. It's come here, come here, come here. What, a, what happens in a group is you start, that's how if you're newer to our groups, how you're going to start the group. You know, I'm going to sit here with you, but eh. and what starts to happen when community happens is And it's a safe place here to be not okay. It's a safe place to deal with my stuff, to talk about where I'm struggling, where my wife is struggling, where my husband's struggling, my kids, my finances, my job, my health, whatever it is. Um, re- relationships, write this down today. Relationships are <laughs> S-P-D. Smelly, painful, and difficult. And I'm telling you that right now because you're going... You're trying to get us to sign up for a small group, but it's all about relationships. You're telling it smelly, painful, and difficult. Look, we're, pulling it, we're putting it out there out front. This is not the two-point font on the contract you sign for a credit card or a line of credit. It's right up front. They're smelly, painful, difficult. Can I tell you right now? But beautifully worth it. If you never do the smelly, painful, difficult risk of getting involved in relationships, you never get the beautiful mess and the gloriousness of it all. And it's fantastic. Guys, when we started the church 17 years ago, before the church ever met as a congregation, we met in groups, in homes. We had four small groups, 45 people met in homes before we ever gathered as a congregation. The most, one of the most important things you'll do here is get in those kind of groups and make some friends there and, and get connected. Um, I get a little nervous around here when things get a little too nice and neat and clean. I just do. Now, I don't want chaos and disorder. I've had some weeks where I thought, man, I can't handle one more difficult phone call, one more crazy, awful thing, one phone ringing in the middle of the service. <laughs> hey, Jason! This is Jason, everybody. <laughs> He's not new at our church. We don't humiliate you if your phone rings, but if it's Jason down here, we do. Yeah. Um, see, when we don't see people getting baptized, people getting saved... I start getting a little nervous. When I don't see people sitting here going, man, my life has fallen apart. My marriage has fallen apart. My health, my job. I'm on my second marriage, and I think I'm, this is pending to go to, we're getting divorced, and maybe heading to a third one. Look, guys, it's, if we don't see that kind of stuff happening, it means we're not doing our job. It means we're no, we've become a, a health club. We, we've become a, a cruise ship. I want to see the beautiful, glorious mess of new life coming into existence. It's smelly and gritty and grimy. I want to see kids in our student ministries right now. 
I know some of these kids. I know the things they're dealing with. with. We, we talk about it as a staff, the challenges of that. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not saying let's have everybody sin some more so we can have a mess here. I'm just saying here's what happens, too. When we don't see it happens, it means that we become this closed little group or we've got really good at pretending and no one knows. And you've been part of things like that where everybody pretends that everything's okay. Everything's fine. I, I, I want it a little gritty and grimy around here. Now, I want to see then, if you have gritty and grimy around here, then you want to see things restored. You want to see marriages come back to life. You want to see kids get rescued out of the crazy, ridiculous stuff that's being shoved down their throats and the dumb behaviors and all that stuff. You want to see them come full circle on that and come back to Christ and see all kinds of restoration and joy happen. Find the book of Ecclesiastes. It's, you're here in Proverbs, if you go one book to the right, Ecclesiastes, it's a weird name of a book. All it means is the speaker or the communicator. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, in there, Solomon is observing how life generally works, and he talks about the fact that, man, it's sometimes easier just to do life alone, stay isolated, pull into your garage, let the garage door go down, put on Netflix, and never connect with anybody. For if you're not in a group yet, it's be much easier to not be in a group. It's one more night, you could just stay home and sit home and do nothing. But he's going to say, He's going to show here now the beautiful gloriousness of real relationships. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says this, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. They, they call this the idea of synergy, that two people working together get more done than twice as much as if they each individually just worked on something. They've studied this in working all that. People working together get more done. Sometimes it's frustrating, it's going to be difficult, more gets done, more, more productivity happens. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. In other words, you're going to fall, you're going to stumble and fall. And sometimes when you're walking with somebody and you're on hiking some cliff precipice somewhere, you need somebody to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And as you stumble and fall, they, they catch you before you fall, and sometimes you're going to fall, and you're going to fall and go down on your face. And with a heavy backpack on, you have, you have literally, to quote the old school Wendy's commercial, you have fallen and you can't get up. And the only way you're going to be able to get up is to have somebody reach down and go, let me help you. And grab you by the back of the backpack and pull you up and bring you back. Talks about here, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? This gets quoted in all kinds of wedding sermons and marriage cards. Two people can be, and there's certainly... The warmth of relationships. It's like, oh, this is not talking about, oh, just the warmth of, hmm, awesome. It's talking about freezing cold. Talking about guys that have been in deployment out in a foxhole going, if we don't huddle up and cuddle together, we're going to die out here. Sometimes life is going to get that cold for you. It's going to be, I, I feel like I'm dying out here. And it's the relationships that will keep you warm when, it feels, when, it, when, you, when, this, when the freezing cold storm uh, and, and nastiness blows in. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. If, you, you guys, you're in a battle out there for your soul, and you've got weapons out there. You've got the Bible, you've got your experience, you've got the, and you can, if you're fighting out here, just work, work, talk back to me again. If I'm out here fighting, where am I vulnerable? 
right? Can I see what's behind me? Can't see anything behind me. So that's what's going to get me. And the truth is every single one of you, no matter how long you've been a Christian, you have some blind spots that will, that will shipwreck your soul and your relationship with God and your family and your finances. You need somebody else that can see that for you, who sees more clearly than you do about your life. You go, hey, I care about you enough to go, hey, the way you're doing money, the way you're talking to your spouse right now, you got to knock that off. You're going to wreck your marriage. You're going to wreck your children. You're going to wreck your finances. You're going to wreck your health. If you keep going out to wine country 17 times a week, that's for two of you in here probably. I don't know. And, and people speak, care enough about you to speak the truth into your life. Now, when that happens, when, when, those of you who have ever been confronted by somebody, was that always awesome and amazing? Never. But was it at the end you go, man, they had my back. Because if I hadn't had my back, I was going to get killed out there. I would have been dead out there on the battlefield. And then it says here, Three are even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. The idea that you can get little cords and ropes and snap them easily like this, if you take that little bundles of straw and you bundle it together, you could bring up a dude who's yoked and all that, and he'll try to break it and he can't. Or she can't. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> you won't be able to. And individually, you can snap it, and this is what happens. We, we are better together. We are stronger together. Transformational relationships happen when we'll be in those kind of relationships and embrace those kind of things. Easier? For sure, not to do them. But the glorious, beautiful, disorderly mess is absolutely worth it. Because here's our bottom line here as a church. Last thing I'm going to say to you today before the band comes up is our bottom line here is transformation, disciple making. Jesus told us this. It will, they'll be on the screen, nothing to write down. Just write down transformation, discipleship. Here's what discipleship is. Discipleship is people become Christians. People discover Jesus and then all discipleship means is following. They follow Jesus. Our whole deal here is all kinds of people discovering, following Jesus. Let me just tell you today what the mission here is in those relationships. Sometimes people think discipleship is all about you got to know doctrine, theology. I was talking to a guy today. He's got a, a Bible from 1519 with Cal, John Calvin's footnotes in it. It's awesome. Like, dude, that guy's a smart dude. He's awesome. And there's nothing wrong with that. Reading books by dead guys and footnotes and the Greek language and memorizing scripture, do all that and more. But, but Jesus said, when he told us what our mission is, he says, go make disciples of the nations, baptize them, make them become Christians, go public with their faith, and teach them not to know everything I've commanded you, but to, to do everything I've commanded you. Here's the deal. Here's how you know if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ today, is that you're following Jesus better today than you were last month. That's all. doesn't matter how much you know. doesn't matter how smart you are. The smartest people in Jesus' day were the Pharisees, all of them going to hell. Except for Nicodemus and Joseph and probably a few people that believe. But I'm just saying it's not, don't, don't think, well, in order to be a disciple, you have to have all this great knowledge and all this structure around you. No. The whole point of discipleship is that, that knowledge gets transformed into application. And you're obeying Jesus better today than you did last month, last year, whatever. And then you can be excited and go, I'm not done yet. I was talking to somebody today with some of the sickness stuff, like we're not all the way out of the woods yet, but I'm not back where I was. That's all I have to say about that. The man's going to come up. We're going to give you a chance to respond to some of this. Some of you need to go out and join a small group today.
You can go on the website right now, and during, when the band's up here, just get on your mobile device and join a small group. Go out to the booth outside. There's a small group booth out there, and, and saddle up, join up, get into a small group. Our prayer team is here today. If you need prayer for anything, they're in the back of the house today. They'd love to pray with you about stuff that's going on in your life. People will be getting up, moving around the house today while we sing some songs and coming to, to receive communion. In the four corners of the room, it's bread and juice, symbolizing the body and the blood of Jesus. And it's fascinating. We're going to sing a song today, uh, called, I think, called Broken Vessels. And it says, all these pieces, broken and scattered, in mercy gathered, mend in and whole. You know what the chorus of the verse says? Not amazing me, how amazing I am. It's amazing grace, how sweet the sound. The amazing, gritty, grimy cross of Jesus Christ saves you and saves me and makes these kind of transformational relationships happen. So Jesus, today, as we come to tables of communion, as we come to sit here and reflect and think and let this sink in, as we go back and just let somebody talk to somebody and pray about just the burdens of life, whatever that is. The truth is, Jesus, all this week, I wasn't quite sure where all this needs to land in people's souls. I'm not going to pray and preach in a prayer. God, I'm asking you by your spirit now just to do your stuff. Whatever each person who's here needs to hear and see, what each person needs to take action on, just do that right here, right now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.